You're listening to Healing with Purpose, a show that brings you wholehearted conversations for self-healers with your hosts, Lydia and Sarah. We're just two gals in our 30s trying to figure out our own selves while also trying to help others in our day jobs as counselors. Enjoy the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome. Welcome today. <laughs> um, Sarah and I were just talking before we hit the record button that that this episode today is, I think, both a closing of the year, but also we noted a milestone for ourselves that this is episode 15. And we started this podcast, I think, in April, April of 2021. Yes, April. And so we were commenting that, you know, we had done 15 episodes in the year and just that I think our journey through this process has been, I don't know, like we've grown a lot in our ability to be open and communicate and feel comfortable sharing in this medium with people who are listening. And, and just we wanted to mark that moment. And then thank you all for being on this journey with us. And I think some episodes we are more present and able to articulate ourselves and some episodes we end and we're like, what just happened? (laughs) So thank you for being on that journey with us. We're so happy to have you here. Yeah, we definitely feel like we have each grown in our own ways um, and figured out where, you know, I personally have figured out where my limitations are because of this process and just because of sharing, because of reflecting and trying to, like you said, articulate and, and get to a point uh, where there are things that you're, you're learning throughout this show. And so being able to learn to communicate in, 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 a, in that concise way is something that has been a journey and, and something I'm still learning. <laughs> I, I know for me, Sarah, I'm interested to hear your feedback on this. Obviously, Sarah and I talk to people all day long in sessions with clients, but we don't ever listen back to what we say to our clients. Like we, I always assume in, like what I say in the moment is like, authentically me and it's what I'm saying but I don't actually know what the other person's hearing and with the podcast we can listen back to what we're saying and that that has been kind of an interesting experience for me of like hearing myself explain concepts and saying okay I did a, I did a really great job on that one and then I'm like okay this one needs a little bit of work so that was still kind of confusing or I rambled about that absolutely I think that you know and and I think for the other thing for me too is in session you say it in a very uh, you know you're reflective in a very short response it's not often that you're talking a lot in session so mm-hmm. here we're like you know doing the beginning the middle and the end yeah. and so I think that that's sometimes where I myself have learned that I get stuck is that I'm not used to doing that when I'm trying to reflect something or or do say something uh, and explain it completely Yes, that's so true. And and it reminds me, Sarah and I had a conversation like a week or two ago about how we have to work on telling the story around a concept because when you're in session with clients, they're providing the story Correct. and you're giving them the feedback and, you know, a couple of teaching bits here and there, but we're providing the content and the story and the tools. And so I think that's been such a journey for us is figuring out how to put all those pieces together. Um, which is such a cool, I guess, intro to this podcast because our episode 15 is um, basically what Sarah and I have learned from 2021. So we both made a list and we haven't shared our list with each other, uh, but knowing Sarah and I, our lists are probably pretty similar. I'm pretty excited to hear your list. (laughs) So you're learning them just as we're learning them from each other, which is super fun. So um, just as a reminder, if you listen to this episode and you think somebody might love to hear our tips and tools for 2021, please share it with a friend. Um, Give them the gift of self-awareness and growth this year and share our episode with them. 
Um, and yeah, that's what we got for you today. So I'm going to let Sarah get started and tell us, tell us your list, Sarah. I can't wait to hear. Okay. Well, I, I really enjoyed this activity. I know you had mentioned that earlier when we were talking about it, but I did too, because it was, I was able to reflect on this year has been unlike any other year for, for many reasons. Um, but one of them, including the fact that when I, and I referenced this when we were starting this podcast and then in one of our first episodes that I feel like often in our life we are building and so that we're like being constructors and like building our life, building, building, and we're, whether it's trying to build professionally or personally, um, taking on projects and, you know, taking on different activities to build our resume or our professional profile. And then now I've gotten to this point being in the, the business and having a business and the podcast that now it's like where the growth happens next is up to me. Like what I take on is solely up to me. No one's asking me, like there's not a boss asking me, can you help in this way or can you do these things? And so I feel like because of that, I, it's, it's on me. Like, where do you want to grow next, Sarah? Where do you want to fine tune where, what things aren't working? And so I think that this year has been a lot of that. And so I have five things um, that I have learned this year and uh, also uh, one tip for moving forward um, for I our just, listeners. I just want to like frame and name that for you because I love what you just said. And I, the word that came to my mind was um, owning like that you're owning your own experience or journey or choice yes, and how empowering it is to say, I can choose these things and I'm owning my journey now. No one else is externally is choosing that for me. Mm-hmm. So do you feel like that was like the big theme for you? It was. It, and, and there was both like strengths and weaknesses and I don't want to say weaknesses, but struggles in the sense that, um, I, there wasn't that feedback as in, you're doing a really great job. I've noticed how much you've done this or that. And so me having to see it for myself has been a struggle. But then there's also the strength of, I can choose what I want to, where I want to go next. It's figuring out what do you really like right now? And how much deeper do you want to get into this? That reminds me a bit of the idea, especially with self-healing work, that we typically don't share that with many people maybe we have a couple people we trust, but it reminds me that we often provide ourselves that own feed, that feedback of like, I see how hard you've worked and I see where you're going and I see how your, your growth and whatever you're doing is paying off. But when we have a boss, like they sometimes provide that for us. But when it comes to self-work, we don't really have someone standing over evaluating saying, you're, you're killing it. Good job. Keep going. Mm -hmm. You don't. Uh And week after week, you're like, am I rocking this? Am I doing this right? Like, (laughs) you know, and so sometimes I have checked in with you. We're like, Hey, is this, is this okay? Or, you know, we support each other. Like you've been doing really good work or you do really good work. Uh, because it's interesting how not having it is and doing it only for yourself is definitely a journey unto itself. So I guess the takeaway from that, we haven't gotten to our tips yet, but I guess an organic tip that just arose is like, remember to be the cheerleader for yourself and for the people close to you. Like, remember when you see them, that they've worked really hard on something to comment on it, because I think sometimes we forget that people need to hear that and we need to hear it from ourselves too. Absolutely. We forget how necessary it is to just, to our growth and to evolving. People have to see that they are growing and evolving and, and, and that you're being a witness to it. Um, so, okay, I will get to my five, my five things that I've learned this year. So, um, one is that there are strengths to my anxiety. I feel like most often I felt like it's 
you know, like typical, like when clients come, like it's debilitating or it's keeping me from doing this or I'm paralyzed in this way. But I feel like this year I have really discovered that my anxiety is also where my organization comes from, my need to plan, my need to have a process. Um, and really just in as we expanded this year, um, even just with like our administrative staff, you know, we quickly found out that we had to create procedures and protocols and training manuals. And that is what I enjoy and what I like. And so it was easy for me to be able to do that and something that I enjoyed. So I feel like learning that there are strengths to my anxiety. Um, The second one is that my strengths can also become my weaknesses in that while it is a strength of mine to plan and to do procedures, that it's also where I can get paralyzed. And, um, And it's something thankfully, that you have also helped me through. Uh, because, you know, so there was one day that we were talking and you said, it sounds like you get in the way of yourself a lot. And I think that that is absolutely true because that is also where I can become paralyzed and that if it's not completed, I won't move forward. But sometimes it's just about knowing when it's good enough. I feel like if we polled our listeners right now and we said how many people get in their own way, everybody would be listening to this podcast right now, raising their hand. Yo, that's me. Because I'm thinking over here, I'm the same way. I get in my own way. Mm -hmm. I think that's so true. Um, So number three, understanding the limits of my days and having flexibility during the week. Like there are definitely just days that this is the amount I'm going to get done and there has to be an off time. Like I cannot keep going um, till eight, nine, ten o'clock. I mean, I can, but then I'm not, I'm burning out. I'm not enjoying what I'm doing. And so understanding that every day has a limit and recognizing in my body when I've reached that limit, whether it's mentally, emotionally, or physically, um, understanding what, what is that limit. So number four is to, um, to understand that structure is both where I thrive and become paralyzed. And it's kind of plays into what I said earlier, but Structure for me is just so important, and it's it's helpful for me because I it helps provide me as a guide, but then it's also where I will hold back and say, oh, well, maybe that was a sign that, like, I shouldn't move forward, mm-hmm. or maybe if it's really hard, I should just stop and, like, I'm not ready. That's not true. Mm-hmm. Growth is hard, period. That's when you get in your own way. As yeah. your friend, that's where <laughs> I've seen you get in your own way. Exactly. <laughs> the stupid should. <laughs> I think we bring up the shoulds every single podcast. Yes. They come up everywhere. I've been doing this work for like eight, nine <laughs> years and like it's it still comes up. It just does, especially in growth because it's scary. And so um, number five, it kind of plays into number five here. So slowing down is the only way to recognize. Like this year has been so much of slow down, Sarah, recognize what you need, recognize where you're getting stuck. Um, because I have the tendency to sort of just go through it. Um, And during the day, I could task all day long. Like, I have enough tasks to last me, I think, until, like, August. (laughs) Of next year. (laughs) Of next year, yeah. Dude, that's eight and a half months away. (laughs) There's plenty of tasks, like, just daily stuff I have to do, plus, you know, other things. Like, it's, but slowing down is the only way I'm going to recognize, like, where I'm getting in the way of myself, And so that's part of where my tip is going to come in, too, for our listeners, is that while I'm sipping on my first drink of the morning, whether it's like 
a decaf coffee, like hot water with lemon, whatever it is, um, I've learned to slow down first thing in the morning. Because if I don't slow down there, I'm not going to slow down the rest of the day. And so in that moment, what I decide and what I reflect on is um, which buckets of my life need filling that day. So it kind of plays back into understanding the limits of the day. I'm only going to be able to hit so many today. And which ones do I need to hit today? Which ones are asking me that I know I need to do? And then which ones are going to wait for the rest of the week? Mm-hmm. That's such a good self-assessment tool to just pause in the morning before the chaos of the day gets like its you know gritty teeth in us and mm-hmm. you know takes us away on its magic carpet of stress. And I think that yeah, interestingly, that's my same tip framed a little bit differently. Oh, really? But yeah, yeah. <laughs> Isn't that funny? How funny. And so, but I think it's so true. And, and I, I think your your tip number five really highlights one through four, right? Which is if we don't slow ourselves down, we can't process, digest, grow, you know, be aware. Like awareness and growth takes space. And the only way to have space for that is to stop being busy with everything else. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is the number one reason why people struggle with growth is that there's no space. I agree. There's no space or time, right? And they kind of correlate together that in order to have that space, we have to have the time and and slow ourselves down. Even if it's just, it was ridiculous how hard this was for me in the beginning. Um, But, you know, what, however long it took me to drink, that in the morning, Mm -hmm. five minutes, 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. And, you know, in certain days now it can increase, but you're right. I mean, that space is, is where that, where the change happens. I'm curious, do you remember like what the resistance was for you in starting that process and that ritual for yourself to sip on your tea or your, you know, hot water? Like, do you remember? Cause I assume that, you know, we are all not that different and that other people may I think sometimes it helps when we give people a menu of things that might be, you know, preventing them from doing it because so many of us experience things in the same way. Uh, Yeah, I think definitely uh, there's a few, but one of them is just how helpful could it be? Like to slow down and think about it. (laughs) I don't need that. (laughs) What's that really really going to do for me? (laughs) Yeah, it's it's not something I really need. I mean, we hear about it, right? It's sort of like those things that are said over and over again. um, And and we think, "Mm, I mean, yeah, or, or I also think, yeah, I kind, I kind of do that already, right? When I'm getting ready, I'm thinking about the day or when I'm in the shower, I'm sort of thinking about it. But it's not the same. <laughs> it's not the same if I sit down and think about, okay, which buckets of these, what am I going to do today specifically and like really be intentional? And now I have like a little notebook where I write down, write it down and say, this is what's for today. This is what could be for tomorrow. Um, and so I think that that's been really helpful. Like, I think that the myth is that intention really won't make it that better, but intention is where the space is created. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. Intention is where the space is created. Because mm-hmm. we have to honor and acknowledge that we need the space in order to create it. And that is the action of intention. Yes, I agree. And so many times we dismiss it by saying, yeah, I kind of already do that or I don't need that. And so I think to answer your question, I think there was like a, the resistance was some dismissiveness that was occurring. Mm -hmm. Did you ever add that to your to-do list? Like your morning routine? I know some people use that as a strategy. I was curious if you had ever tried that. I, 
I didn't, to be honest. Mm -hmm. Um, It was helpful in the sense that, so when my husband leaves for work in the morning, he'll leave like, he he works an hour away, so he has to leave by like 6.30. And right when he leaves, the second he leaves, I decided that's when I'm going to make it. And then I'm going to sit down and do it. And he usually calls me, you know, like, 30 minutes into his drive or whatnot. And then, so I have like those 30 minutes to just kind of be able to like structure my day. And he'll usually say like, what are you going to do today? And I'm like, well, let me tell you. (laughs) I made a whole plan. I know what I need. I know what buckets need to be filled. Yes, exactly. Beautiful. That's beautiful. It's interesting because a lot of ours kind of play off of each other. And and you just demonstrated this beautiful example of um, anchoring a new behavior um, to something that already exists. So there's this really great book I read last year called Tiny Habits. I may have talked about it on the podcast before, but the concept is the sort of like recipe for success is when I blank, I will blank. And so you anchor it. So your anchor is your husband leaving for work because he does that every single day. Mm-hmm. So if you want to create a new behavior and you anchor it to something that's already existing in your life, that becomes the prompt to remind you to do the behavior. So when I first started um, my morning routine, and that was my tip as well, I anchored it to um, making a morning cup of coffee or a morning tea because that's something that I do already every single day regardless of anything. Like that is a non-negotiable for me Mm -hmm. at this point. So I figured I'm going to anchor journaling to that. So when I make a cup of coffee, then I will sit down and journal. Oh, that's so wonderful. Right when you said the whole anchoring and you explained the concept, it just like took me back. I was mm-hmm. like, that is so wonderful. That's yeah, that's such a great example. So the book is called Tiny Habits. It's written by B, um, BJ Fogg. And what I loved about his book is he talks about how motivation is like a fickle little monkey and that we, we cannot rely on motivation in order to prompt us to do things because one day you're going to be really motivated And two days later, you're going to be like, why am I doing this? I don't need this right now. And so we need those anchors to keep us showing up every single day. So add something to something you're already doing. So in in the book, he gives examples like when you get in your car to leave work, as soon as you put the keys in the ignition or as soon as you push the start button, you pause for a second and that's your anchor and you take three deep breaths before you get home. Or maybe it's right when you open up the garage door to pull your car in the garage, you hit the close button in your car, and then you take three deep breaths to help you transition back into going in your home. So we have all these things that we do every single day, but we don't look at them like they could be anchors to help us add a coping strategy to it. But I think that that was one of the most helpful things that I learned this year, similar to what you're saying, because I'm now anchored every single morning in a practice. And that practice keeps me grounded no matter what walks into my office that day, no matter who honks at me on the freeway driving to work, no matter if I spill coffee on myself, like I am anchored in the morning and I've taken care of what I need and I know where I'm at. Mm-hmm. And that is the most valuable thing that I've learned from this year. That's so powerful. I'm so glad that you shared that today. Mm-hmm. Well, and ours was so similar, which is beautiful, right? Like I think that I think that we as humans are more similar than we are different mm-hmm. and that many of the same things help us all. Mm-hmm. And so now I'm really excited to hear yeah. what comes of yours. So what excited. have you learned this so year excited. as you open us into, uh, you know, okay, so now we know about the anchoring and uh-huh. then what are some other things that you have learned? Yeah, so the first one I came up with was something that happened this last weekend. And in the lesson is to savor time with those you love. I think so many of us have been impacted by the pandemic and not being able to see family and friends. And 
just this last weekend, we had a 60th birthday party for my dad here in El Paso. And at the very last minute, there was some COVID exposure and some people in my family got COVID who I haven't seen in three years and they weren't able to come. And, and I understood, but was also deeply heartbroken. And I think that that has been such a thing the last two and a half years of like, it's just hard to get together when you live far away from people that you love. And so that's such a big lesson the pandemic has taught me is like when you have those moments with people, like savor them as much as you can, because they're not as easily accessible, at least in my world, as they used to be. Um, So that was a super present one in my mind when I sat down to do this on Monday morning to write these out because it had just happened. Is there a way I'm curious as you're explaining it that you would, you know, give a tip to like how to savor that? I think sometimes people Mm -hmm. often don't know like how to be present in the moment. Yeah. You know, this happened, you know, the weekend before we all got together. And so I was thinking about it leading up to this time I was going to have with some of my family and then some was missing. And I tried to take moments throughout the weekend and pause and take a deep breath. And, you know, sometimes my family is like herding cats and like there's so many people and you're trying to get everybody together. And like there was moments where I was like, oh, my gosh, I haven't been around this many people trying to get this many people coordinated to do one thing in like years because of the pandemic. (laughs) So there was moments where I had to just calm myself down and say like, but it doesn't, it doesn't really matter. It doesn't really matter. It doesn't matter if, if we're all doing our own thing, walking around and we're going to be 15 minutes late for dinner or whatever, like, because I get to be here to have dinner with them in the same place at the same dinner table, which hasn't happened in three years. And so I tried to just like not sweat the small stuff and let it go and just remember that like it doesn't really matter. It's kind of like what we were talking about earlier of like don't let this the plans and the structure of them get in the way of savoring. Exactly. Yeah. Or the need to control. I think Sarah, you and I are similar like that. We're taskmasters and we like like things to go the way that we've kind of planned them to. Mm -hmm. And that rolling with that sometimes can be difficult. Right. So. So, yeah, that was a really big one that came up. Um. The second one that I, this has kind of been an ongoing thing for the last couple years, but um, over the last few years, I've realized that, you know, I'm, I'm not a practicing Christian and my husband is Jewish and I've been going through this like dissonance with holidays for the last couple of years. Like I, I don't celebrate Christmas because it's Christ's birthday and I hope that doesn't offend anybody. Like I, I practice Christmas because I enjoy having an evergreen tree in my house and I enjoy, you know, the gift giving season, I enjoy the bringing light into a dark time of year. And so I've spent a lot of time this year going through each holiday. You know, I don't celebrate Easter and, you know, the 4th of July or Memorial Day and Labor Day and even things like, you know, unlearning the things that I was taught as a child, like around Thanksgiving and Columbus Day. Like these holidays are based on historically inaccurate information when people were actually deeply harmed and in not wanting to continue to live in that place of um I don't know ignorance I guess is the word and so I spent a lot of time this year trying to feel my way through every holiday and say does this fit who I am right now does this fit where I am does this fit what I believe about how to treat other people you know and and if it doesn't then do I want to let go of this holiday completely or is there a way for me to rebirth it in a way that fits what I believe about the world? 
And so that was a huge lesson. And, and I'm not done with this lesson. I think this is like one of those transitions that takes a decade to kind of feel your way through. And I've been on it for two or three years and I'm still finding my way through it. But that was a really big one for me this year. And, and in so much as the guilt that I would feel when butting up against what the norm was, I've tried to let go of as much of that as possible this year. You know, like, I think we're conditioned, like when we walk into a store before the 4th of July, it's like, oh, we buy fireworks and oh, we do all these things and oh, we do this and we buy this and we have a party and whatever. And I'm like, but why? Why do we do that? Does that, I hate fireworks. I think they're super dangerous. Like why? And then asking myself, like, is this really what I want to do? Do I want to decorate my house in red, white, and blue? Does that fit where I'm at right now? And, and so just spending a lot of time processing this and trying to make choices that are from my true self, not from what I was conditioned to do. Mm-hmm. And some of them I decided to keep as they were, and some of them I decided to completely let go of, and some of them I've adapted. And, and I think that this has been a, a tough journey for me, honestly, to to go through that. And it was, a lot of it was prompted by my husband's family. Not that they asked me to to kind of evaluate this, but because I married someone who is Jewish, I've had to, you know, integrate Jewish holidays into, you know, my life now. And I remember his family would ask me like, you know, what do you like about Christmas? Like what connection do you have to Christmas? And I was like, I don't know. (laughs) That's a really good question. Because I don't associate religion with Christmas at all. I think it's become a, a holiday that I practice because it feels culturally, you know, present and I enjoy it, but I don't associate religion with it. So, I don't know, it's just kind of an interesting place to be in my life around making choices from, I think, my true self and not from the external world and the pressures that it places on me. It sounds like there's been so much soul searching to try to figure out, like, what does my authentic self really believe? Like, because as we learn more, then with that knowledge, what do I want to do with that? How do I want to apply it in my life? And it feels like as you continue to learn more about the ways in which these traditions were created, it's like, do I believe that? Do I want to apply that to my life? Does that fit where I am? And interestingly, so much of the learning that I've done over the last two or three years has been around cycles and has been around connection to nature. And what I found is that I identify more with the cyclical nature of life, with the solstices and the equinoxes and with the new moons and the full moons. And for the last uh, you know three and a half years, I've met with a group every full moon and every new moon, and we sit together and we make new intentions on the new moon and we celebrate and dance on the full moon. And so while there's been this letting go and grieving of these learned you know, cultural holidays, I've also been growing this other part of me, which is this connection to something that's seasonal and cyclical. And I hit a point where I was like, I can't, I can't do both because they're kind of in conflict with one another. Mm -hmm. And so this year, um, I was focusing more on the solstices and the equinoxes because I already had the habits around 
the full and new moon. So it was interesting to stumble a little bit with like, what does that look like for me? I, I had a hard time finding a template for what are people practicing on solstices and equinoxes in order to honor the seasonal change. And, you know, you stumble when you do new things. You're like, I don't, I'm, I'm going to try something. And I don't know if it's going to feel right. And, and then you're like, okay, I like this part. And this part I'm going to let go next year. Mm-hmm. And just trying to, you know, be vulnerable and try new things and and to our earlier point about your list, Sarah, is all that takes space. Exactly. <laughs> space to both research it, but then process, digest, and ponder, did I really enjoy that? Mm-hmm. And, and how do I, do I want to keep doing that? Do, yeah. What do I want to plan for next with it? Yeah. So I think this has been a really big year of just self-exploration around just what fits, like you said, my authentic self. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So number three, Sarah's going to identify with this one because I know her so well, but it was understanding and acknowledging the connection between stress and food and my body and my ability to show up in the world. And to make a long story short, I was diagnosed with an autoimmune condition last year after about four years of on and off health problems and not really knowing what was going on. And I think that What I learned last year was that taking care of my body is not like a two-week stint of taking a vitamin or a medication or, you know, eating no sugar for two weeks or whatever it is. It, It is an integrated process into who I am, and it comes in so many different ways. And that so much of my not caring for my body in my younger years and in my 20s was a result of how I valued my own self. I, I did not believe that I deserved rest for many years. I did not deserve that I believe that I deserved, you know, care and healthy food and nourishing my body. I was in many ways, harming myself without realizing it because of the ways in which I was living my life. And like many people's stories, we often don't make changes until it, we like get smacked in the face a couple times and we're so burned out or fatigued or sick that we don't have anything else but to deal with it. Mm-hmm. And I think in the last couple years, I've hit that place and my growth this year was really understanding that this isn't a short-term thing. This is an entire change in how I live my life and how I nourish myself and how I perceive value around caring for myself. And that for me was a big moment of self-care seems like the wrong word, but it was deeper than that. It is deeper than that. Absolutely. It, it, it was around, um, it's just value. I can't think of a better word than value. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, Sarah can, can talk about this too, but is also surrounding myself with people who support that message. And Sarah is one of those people for me. Like we've been on this journey very much together going through these things. We, we both cook food and share it with each other every week to make the load easier on both of us. And understanding that it's it's important to find people who understand that journey and are also saying, yes, let's take care of our bodies. That is a, that is a priority. Let's still live our lives and make a podcast and get together on holidays, but let's do it in a way that supports and values our, our, you know, our needs and where we are. 
I think that's such a valid point. I, I still feel like the word is a little bit deeper than value, and I can have struggling with mm. the word on it, but I do can definitely understand, you know, I think like you were saying about nourishing your your body and being in this journey uh, with you, it's really like just understanding the depth of the impact that nourishment has, not just on our body, but on what our body can is capable of yeah. and what it can do for us because that impacts the bucket of like my physical and my emotional self and my spiritual self. And it, it just has such a deep impact, which is why I think the word is like, I'm not sure if that word exists as to like what the depth of that is, but it, it definitely has a connection to all three of those parts. Yeah. Well, and I think that there's a moment to bring some concepts together right here around, you know, as therapists, like the burnout rate for therapists is, I think, seven years from start to finish in the profession and most people leave. And I understand now why, because when you enter a profession where you help, whether you're a nurse or a doctor or a teacher or a therapist or anybody who's in a service minded profession, there are always more people to serve than we have mental, emotional, and physical energy to serve. And understanding that how important boundaries are. Like I think boundaries can be misused and cut people off. We've talked about this before, but boundaries, in my opinion, used in a healthy way are saying, I can't help you right now because I have to help me so that I can show up and continue to help my community. Mm -hmm. And for me, I was about burned out being a therapist last year when the pandemic started. And most of it was coming out physically in my body. I was fatigued and exhausted all the time and I didn't have any energy left to give others. And so I took a year and a half and I took care of myself and I slowed down and I made space for things that I had never made space for before. And now a year and a half later, I feel like I'm like, I can show up every day consistently and I feel better. I feel recovered. I feel available again. And I needed boundaries in order to do that. I had to value myself in order to do that. And I had to surround myself with people who supported me. And I think that we've talked about these concepts kind of separately on this show. But for me, this is how it all came together this year and everything clicked. And I was like, okay, I get it now. I've got to, I've got to have all these necessary components coming together in order to keep me whole. And it's such a valuable concept that you just described as far as understanding that like especially like you said in, in certain professions or as therapists you are giving of yourself you're giving your attention you're giving your time you're creating this you're giving all your energy to create a space for somebody and so in that I think a lot of times we lose you know time to receive like the space to receive and so interestingly enough that's something that's been coming up a lot with my clients during the holiday season because we're so busy giving and going mm -hmm. that when we really stop to look at like where are they receiving it's that they haven't had the time they haven't had the space and so we then we really look at okay well where where can you create that space to receive that like you were saying nourishment mm -hmm. to receive that rest mm -hmm. and so being able to look at where what am I receiving for myself to be able to nourish myself mm -hmm. And I think so many of us don't know what actually nourishes us because we live in a culture that tells us to grind and be productive. And I fell into that trap where all of a sudden I was sick and I was like, I don't even know how to nourish my body. I only know how to harm my body by driving myself into the ground. Mm -hmm. That is all I know. I don't, I don't know what nourishment looks like. I don't know what 
speaks to me in that way and fills that up. And so it was such a journey for two years, just figuring out and trying things like, what does that look like? So, you know, if you're out there and you're identifying with this conversation, I encourage you just to start with figuring out, do some experiments, be curious, take a bath. Did that work for you? If not, okay, go see a movie by yourself. Did that work for you? Okay. Make a healthy nourishing dinner for yourself. Did that help? Okay. You know, and just kind of go through the list and see what helps. And you'll, you'll figure that out for yourself, what that, that formula is to keep you feeling whole. I'm glad that you sort of framed it as like this trial and error Mm because that is often what I tell people. It's like we're going to go through like a a long list of things before we find out what it's going to be. Like there's a lot of patience that, you know, slowing down to figure out, did it work for you? Um, I feel like slowing down is like the word of the day. Yeah. And making space, Mm -hmm. right? Because to do all these experiments, we have to make space for them. And I think about all of the moms and dads out there that are working jobs or even are just full-time parents and they're thinking to themselves, they're stuck in that thought process, like there's no time for me. And and I would argue there is no there there isn't there isn't a way for you to keep going if you don't make time for yourself. Like you have to, you have to nourish yourself in order to show up for the people around you. And that may only be a ten minute bath right before you go to bed. And that's enough. Mm-hmm. That is enough. Absolutely. It doesn't have to like we all don't have four hours to sit in self care mode on a meditation pillow every single day right like we can do these things in a 10 minute drinking my tea in the morning routine or a 10 minute bath before we go to bed like we have space for that mm-hmm. yeah and so um I've got two more real quick number four um is the to-do list never ceases so let it go just let it go I love that <laughs> let it go and and with that I've shared this with Sarah. My like affirmation for the last three months has been let it be easy. And so if the to-do list feels hard or I feel stressed, I stop for a second and I ask myself, what could I do to make this easier right now? That's and a good I, way of stopping, slowing I didn't, yourself down. I didn't make this up. It comes from another woman. And <laughs> I, will, I will link her book in our show notes because I don't remember her name. But she has a book called Let It Be Easy. And this is her framing and her questions. And I remember I was listening to her on a podcast and it stopped me in my tracks. And I was like, I need that. What can I do to make this easier right now? Because I make things complicated when they don't need to be complicated, which is, I think, a very common problem. 100% I do that, too. And I think a lot of listeners relate to that because I think often we do make it more complicated uh, what, for whatever reason. Um, and, and I think that that's such a, a great question just as an interrupter of, like, awareness. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. What can I do to make this easier? And, you know, I tell people all the time, put a sticky note up on your mirror, something you're going to see every single day and write, let it be easy. And, and let that sticky note remind you and prompt you twice a day when you're brushing your teeth, look in the mirror, hang it right there where you're going to, where you're going to repeatedly see it and let that serve as a reminder to all of us. And funnily enough, um, I had texted it to one of my friends um, and she texted me a picture back that she wrote, let it be easy and attached it to her um, computer and she sent me a picture of it and she had written it in like, in like very loud, stressy font on the sticky note. And I wrote her back and I said, you're let it be easy. Look stressed out. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't look easy. It, it was like in like, like repeated scratches of like, let it, you know, like, like she was gripping the pen when she wrote it. And I was like, girl, write that again. <laughs> like your, your body's telling me that that sticky note is not 
telling you to be easy. It's telling you that you're stressed right now and you're trying to let it be easy. I love that because it like sort of like you can see the importance of like that visual (laughs) of just how stressed the body is. Yeah. So put it in scripty font, let it be easy, put a heart at the end of it, whatever you need to do to make, to make the font calming for you. Because I do think there's a visual stimulus that we get when we see things. Mm -hmm, Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So my last one is to trust the timing. This lesson has been coming to me for years, and yet again this year, it came to me again of trusting the timing. As Sarah mentioned earlier, we both are like task-oriented, controlling people sometimes, not in a terrible way, but just a little bit controlling. And so I sometimes am like, I'm ready for this. This needs to happen now. And this this year has been like, girl, you can tell me you're ready, but I decide when I give these things to you, mm-hmm. right? And so... So my last tip for you guys is just to remember that we don't need to know everything all the time. It is helpful to trust that there are things happening below the surface for each of us and that the work is working itself out and things are happening that we are not aware of. And when it's time for us to be aware, we become aware of it. When it's time for us to process and digest the situation, it will come into our awareness. And until that point, we just have to trust that things are evolving as they need to. And honestly, everything always works out. It's has very it, true. Has it ever, I mean, truthfully, has it ever not worked out? I tell myself that all the time. Like, what are you stressing about? It always works out. It may not be how you thought it would be, when you thought it would be, but in the end, everything's always okay. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean it's not hard. Doesn't mean you don't cry on the bathroom floor about it. But in the end, it all ends up working out okay. Mm-hmm. I'm curious because... Now that you were asking me in my, my questions where like the resistance was, where has like your resistance been in, in trusting that the timing is going to be okay? Um, I don't know if this is answering your question, but I think for me, fear is the reason why this happens. You know, like fear that I might miss out on something or fear that I that the choices that I'm making are not leading me to the ultimate goal that I want to go to. Like that, that is what motivates the desire to control and not trust what's happening. And so I think that's the resistance for me is like the fear that if I don't try to control it and make it happen right now, that it won't ever happen. I see. And that's really founded in like a scarcity mindset, right? Right. Instead of an abundant mindset, which I think trusting the timing is framing things abundantly. Mm -hmm. I will be cared for. Things will work out the money is arriving or, you know, the relationship is arriving or this part of me is healing. Like that is an abundantly framed idea versus this, like, things are always hard. Why is this always happening to me? It never happens when I want it to. Like, even when I say that, I feel yucky saying those things. I feel worse when I say those things because it's coming from a place of fear and scarcity. Mm-hmm. That's a very valid point. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so what is your tip for our listeners? Today? My tip is just like yours, um, only my ritual is a little bit different. Um, and it has to do a lot with the tiny habits. So that was super helpful for me this year. And I started my tiny habit with um, when I would drink my coffee in the morning, I will sit down and open my journal. I didn't even have to write anything in it. I just had to sit down and open it. And if I wanted to write something, I would. And if I didn't feel like I needed to, I'd close it. And then I would celebrate that I did that. Whether I wrote or I didn't write, I did what I set out to do. And so I found that when I once I did that for a couple of months, then I was ready to add 
another thing to my now anchored routine. So two or three months into my journaling, I decided to add another little task during this time and I started tending to my ancestral altar. And so every morning I have an ancestral altar of all the uh, deceased relatives that I have photos of and it's sitting in a place in my house where I see it every day. It's right next to the chair where I always journal on the table that my journal always sits. So everything's kind of in the same place and I'll change the water on it and I'll light some incense and sometimes I'll give them some coffee to share with me and I sit down and I journal while you know, this kind of process is going on. And then I did that for two or three months and then once I felt like that routine was really set in into stone, then I added something else and um, I added sitting there and prioritizing my list for the day. So there's a really cool tool that I teach a lot of people, especially people that have, feel scattered a lot or have ADHD, where you um, create three columns and you label them one, two, and three. And in column one, you write the things that day that have to be done. These are like today's priorities, things I absolutely have to get done. Column two is if I have extra time, I will start working on these things because they're coming down the pipeline and are coming in the next day or two and I have to get them done. And column three is sort of like pending projects that are maybe a week or two weeks out. And if you want to add a column four, you can, which would be like things further down the line or bigger projects that are coming. And you break things down really small into bite-sized bits. So you wouldn't want to do like, I don't know, publish an entire, you know, presentation. Like you want to break it into like smaller bites that you can actually accomplish. So I started adding that to my routine and found it to be immensely helpful in getting rid of that scattered feeling of like stuff is everywhere and I have no idea what I need today and who needed what. Oh crap, I didn't do that. They needed it by five o'clock, you know, and that kind of like life is getting away from you feeling. So that's my tip for everybody is I think Sarah and I both identified that morning was the time that worked best for us because you can kind of get ahead of things before the day gets away from you. But, you know, I encourage you to figure out what that is for you, what that routine might be for you. Maybe it's at the end of your day, taking stock of the day and closing out the day. But I think having that check-in every day for both Sarah, you and I are both saying like how valuable that is in making space mm -hmm. to process, digest, connect. Absolutely. I think that just that, that space is just where, you know, I can plan and, and be intentional in that planning versus just going through the day and, and being unaware. Yeah. 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 Awareness, right? Mm -hmm. I'm bringing things into my awareness that I need to be focused on today. And then everything else I'm going to put over here. It helps us compartmentalize, I think. It does. And I will say for our listeners that your tip of the one, two, three that you just gave has been excellent because I've always been a list maker. But and when you introduced that to me like about a week or two ago, it has just like okay, now we're taking it to a whole other level here. <laughs> like we are getting things done in like the order they need to be done. And it's like, I uh -huh. love that list. Isn't it beautiful? Mm -hmm. I used to, like I used to make these like gigantic to-do lists. Too. And then you and I talked about this. We would like highlight what needed to be done today. But then like, then you look at the list and you're like, oh my God. It's overwhelming. Oh my God. I oh, don't even start. There's highlights everywhere. And then you see something like, okay, I'll do that. But that wasn't what you actually needed to do today. <laughs> Exactly. So I love this one, two, three, if you can apply it. I thank you for sharing it today because it is, it's a lifesaver. 
Yeah. It's, it's been a game changer for me. I feel more in, in control. See, here we're back our control again. <laughs> I feel more in control of my day because I'm getting things done as I need to get them done rather than always reactionarily being like, oh no, I did that, but I forgot this thing. And then I felt like I was scattered all the time, dropping all these balls, you know, mm-hmm. and, and then I'd feel shame and, and, you know, distress about that. So I'm going to help reframe it for you here because I know <laughs> it has to do with control, but it's reflective and responsive control versus reactive. Ah, so okay. I I think that there's more attention there. And I just, I think, I don't know if I'm just justifying it here, (laughs) but I like to think that that is, you know, my way of being responsive and reflective in that manner. I think that's good because control is not always all bad. Right. Right. And, And I don't even know if we should call it control. I think sometimes it's just we're, we're keeping up on our, the things that we need to keep up on. Right. And we found a way with which to do that in a productive manner that's healthy and helpful Mm -hmm. yeah okay so take it from Sarah and I we're both stamping it with approval healing with purpose approved tool one (laughs) two three well we thank you for joining us today we hope that you have found what we have learned this year helpful and our tips to be helpful Um, as always you can find us on on our Instagram page I am Sarah at mindfulwellness.ep and I am Lydia you can find me at thrivecounseling.ep if you have any requests for episodes in the future, um, you can email us at healingwithpurposepodcast at gmail.com. Uh, we wish you a happy new year and we will see happy holidays and we will see you in the new year. Yep. With a great episode about, I don't know, goals and I don't know, setting a year of success or something in that nature. I like that. <laughs> All right. Take care. Thank you. Bye.